The following message was recorded during the Friends of Israel 2010 National Prophecy Conference season. These meetings were held in Winona Lake, Indiana and Lancaster, Pennsylvania. For other audio resources from the Friends of Israel, visit us at foi.org. It was nearly 35 years ago that my wife was expecting our third child. After her late-term checkup, the doctor assured her that it won't be long now. Your baby is going to come any day. But the due date came, and it passed, and there was still no baby. Another week went by, and another visit to the doctor, and the doctor said, it won't be long now. The baby will be born at any time. And then another week went by, and finally a third. For three weeks, every night, we went to bed thinking, perhaps tonight. Well, Catherine Suzanne Neff, our daughter Katie, did not come on time. But she came right on schedule. Not ours, hers. And I might add that Katie continues to be late to this very day. But I dare not go into that since they're taping these messages. Jesus is coming. He is not late. He is right on schedule. God's schedule. God's prophetic schedule. The evidence for his soon return abounds, and our motto should be, perhaps today. Or as Jimmy DeYoung often says, perhaps today, and if not today, perhaps tomorrow. In our last study, we focused on the question, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? We considered a number of tribulational signs that will herald Messiah's coming and noted that these signs are not for the church age, but are tribulational and are signposts for Israel so that she will know that her king is about to arrive. Matthew 24, 3, the second question was, tell us when will these things be? So we're now moving from the what are the signs to when is this going to take place? In Matthew chapter 24, in verses 29 through 31, Jesus mentions three remarkable events or signs that will accompany his glorious return to earth. In verse 29 we read, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The lights are going to go out. What a background there will be for his brilliant coming. And the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. As Jesus Christ is about to physically appear, and return to earth, there will be awesome signs. The heavens and the earth will be shaken. In fact, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joel, Joel speaks of these events. Joel chapter 2, and that's the 10th verse. Notice what Joel says. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark. Does that sound familiar? That's what Jesus just said. And then the stars diminish their brightness. In verse 31 
of the same chapter. Joel says, the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. In chapter 3, notice verses 15 and 16. The sun and the moon will grow dark and the stars will diminish their brightness. The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Have you ever noted that when they show you a diamond, they usually do it on a cloth that is black? It enhances the brilliance of the diamond. And just before the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ, the lights go out. And against that black, dark background comes the Lord Jesus. In verse 30, we move from the solar system to the sign of the Son of Man. Then, says our Lord, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. At the close of the age, at the close of the tribulation, the anointed one will return to earth with great power and great glory. This coming is not the rapture of the church, an event that has occurred seven years earlier, but it is Christ's actual return to earth at the end of the tribulation to establish the promised Davidic kingdom. Homer Kent of Grace Seminary fame writes, If this were the rapture of all living believers, who then received glorified bodies? There would be no sheep left on earth to receive Christ's invitation to inherit the millennial kingdom. Now, what does it mean when it says they will see the sign of the Son of Man? Some believe they will see the Shekinah glory. And that is how they will recognize the Lord Jesus. Others say it will be the sign of the cross. But since the parallel passages of Mark 13 and verse 26 and Luke 21 and verse 27 simply say the Son of Man, it may simply be a reference to the Son himself. But the prophet Zechariah gives us a very interesting clue. He writes, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, Then they will look on me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. When Jesus comes in glory, the Jewish people are going to recognize him. They are going to know and understand who he is and they are going to believe. The third sign that Jesus mentions that will accompany his coming to earth is the sound of a trumpet in verse 31. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, we must not confuse this trumpet with the one mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. This is not the gathering of church-age saints. 
This is the gathering of tribulation saints at the close of the tribulation and a gathering of the scattered Jewish believers worldwide that they may be ushered into the promised kingdom. Verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So so you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors, the it being the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In our backyard, in uh, the greater Phoenix area of Arizona, we have two fruit trees. We have a very small yard, but two fruit trees. One is a lemon tree, and the other is a Mexican lime tree. And when buds and blossoms appear on the trees, we know that lemons and limes will soon appear. And Jesus is simply saying, so will it be at the coming of Jesus Christ. They are the ones who will see Messiah's return. The second illustration that Jesus gives, he moves now from the fig tree to the flood. Verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. The precise timing of our Lord's return cannot be calculated. But as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when our Lord returns. Now we move from the timing to the times. Notice verse 37 and following. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. We who love to preach sometimes use this text to say that in the days of Noah, people were lovers of pleasure, They were lusting for perversion, and they were lacking in preparation. That will preach, won't it? But this is not really what I believe this text is saying. Let me quote from a commentator. He writes, But the period before his coming will be like the time in the days of Noah. People then were enjoying the normal pursuits of life with no awareness of eminent judgment. Life continued normally for the people of Noah's day, for they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. But the flood came and took them all away. It was sudden, and they were unprepared. And now we have the taking in verses 40 through 41, a very interesting text. Then, this time, two men will be in the field, One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. When I encountered this passage as a young pastor, it really troubled me. I love theology. And I was preparing for my ordination. And I was sure about everything but eschatology. I wanted to be sure that I believed what the Bible taught, not what I was taught in Bible college. I read this verse and I thought, oh my goodness, 
The rapture is post-tribulational. By the way, if this is the rapture, we who are pre-trib have a real problem. And you'd be amazed at the number of commentators who are pre-trib refer to this as the rapture. But upon further study, I discovered that this event is not the rapture. In fact, I call it the reverse rapture. It is the taking not of believers, but it is the taking of wicked of the wicked to judgment. In fact, turn back to Matthew 13. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 13. It is the wicked here who are taken. Notice verse uh, 47 of Matthew 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore. And they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. In Noah's day, it was the wicked who were swept away in judgment. At our Lord's coming, his second coming, they will be taken away to judgment. Dr. Walvoord writes, Because at the rapture believers will be taken out of the world, some have confused this with the rapture of the church. Here, however, the situation is in reverse. The one who is left is left to enter the kingdom. The one that is taken is taken to judgment. This is in keeping, he writes, with the illustration of the time of Noah, when the ones taken away are the unbelievers. Well, now our Lord uses a third illustration, that of the fugitive, verses 42 through 44. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus used the flood to show that men will not know the day. And he uses a fugitive, a thief, to show that men will not know the hour. Following the rapture of the church, there will be a time of peace and safety on the earth, 1 Thessalonians 5.1. But then with suddenness, God's judgment is going to fall, and the Lord Jesus will return. When we put these three illustrations, the fig tree, the flood, the fugitive together, we end up with the exhortation of verse 44 to be ready. And then the application. Verse 45, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him in an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him into uh, two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
I was uh, privileged to attend a wonderful Bible college that uh, back in those days had uh, one of the finest English Bible departments in the entire country. And I remember so often those godly professors stressing the need that after you study a passage of Scripture, always make sure that you apply it to your heart and to the hearts of those that you preach to. It's interesting, this is exactly the pattern that Jesus used in Matthew 24. He's done all of this teaching, answering those two great questions of what and when, and now he closes the section with an application. And the parable of the faithful and the evil servants. Although the interpretation in these verses is again Jewish, it is tribulational, it is for the nation of Israel during the tribulation period, we can certainly apply this message to our day as well. Let me just share a couple of applications. First of all, the importance of being alert. The church does not know the day or the hour or the year of our Lord's coming. But the stage is being set now for these tribulational events. Therefore, our Lord's coming for his church must be very near indeed. Jesus said, now when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. It appears that we are on the brink of these things, and it behooves us to be alert, ready, and faithful. I was reading USA Today last night. Wonderful article. I needed an illustration. Doomsday shelters making come. Anybody read this? Doomsday shelters making a comeback. Jason Hodge, father of four children from Barstow, California, says he's not paranoid, but he's concerned, and that's why he bought space in what might be labeled a doomsday shelter. Hodge bought into the first of a proposed nationwide group of 20 fortified underground shelters, the Vivos Shelter Network, that are intended to protect those inside for up to a year from catastrophes such as a nuclear attack, killer asteroids, or on Uh, or tsunamis, according to the project's developers. Boy, it's going to be six years, uh, only works for a year. He says, it's an investment in life, says Hodge, a Teamsters Union representative. I want to make sure I have a place I can take me and my family if the worst-case scenario were to happen. In case you're interested, the company sells fiberglass shelters that can accommodate 10 to 2,000 adults, to live underground for one to five years, rather up to five years now, with power, food, water, and filtered air, McCarthy says. The shelters range from, I'm sure you're going to want to run around and buy one, they range from $400,000 to a $41 million facility, radius built and installed underground that is suitable for 750 people. He declined to disclose the client or location of the shelter. I want you to know, I have a tribulation survival shelter. I have a tribulation survival kit. His name is Jesus Christ. 
My Bible says that my God has not appointed me unto wrath, but that he's going to deliver me and rescue me at the coming of Jesus Christ. It's interesting that these people, these deceived people, are going to try to to hide from calamity in a doomsday shelter. Doesn't that remind you of Revelation chapter 6 when they go to the caves and hide in the rocks and the mountains and guess what happens? It doesn't protect them. It doesn't save them from the judgment of God. Folks, we are on the brink of horrible things. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't need a doomsday shelter that costs $400,000. You need the free gift of salvation that is found only in Jesus Christ. Secondly, accountability. Accountability. This is for believers. Dr. Wearsby writes, the purpose of prophecy is not to entertain the curious, but to encourage the consecrated. Isn't that good? The purpose of the prophetic scriptures is to remind us that the time is short, the workers are few, and a time of giving account is coming. On my last Sunday, in my very first pastorate, I was in Lake Odessa, Michigan for five years. I'm going back there a a week from Sunday to preach. And on my very last Sunday, after five years of ministry, I was awakened early in the morning by a phone call from a woman who attended our church. And her words were, Pastor, my sister is here, and we've been talking, and we believe that Jesus is coming soon. Neither of us is ready Will you come down to our house right now so we can get saved? What a way to end the ministry. Well, that morning, she and her sister both trusted Jesus Christ. My friend, perhaps today, perhaps tomorrow, Jesus is coming soon. And if you don't know him, please talk to one of us. We'd be delighted to just take you aside privately and share with you the good news that Jesus has come to rescue you, to rescue me from the wrath to come. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you that there is a true tribulation shelter in the person of Jesus Christ. And that what the ark was to Noah Jesus is to us. Father, thank you for the encouragement and hope that is ours because of biblical prophecy. Times are difficult, the days are dark and discouraging, and yet we are lifting our eyes heavenward, focusing on the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray with thanksgiving, amen.